Make sure that it doesn't... I did. I turned <laughs> off the thing. Should we start? Oh, yeah, sure. Hey there. I hope you're having a really great day because you're listening to Ben There, Sean That. If aliens kidnap you, you know just what to do. Just swallow that cyanide pill before they anally probe you. Ben there, Sean that. Now you're listening to our podcast. It's our podcast where we talk about movies as an excuse to interrupt each other, go on tangents, and laugh at our own jokes. Yeah, our, our, my jokes are pretty funny. Yeah. And then we edit out the racist and homophobic remarks. <laughs> so we can play them later for ourselves. <laughs> and then we say, someday. Someday. When the world agrees, <laughs> they will hear uh, who we really are. Yes. All right. Uh, well. So, Sean, did you see a movie this week? I did. Last night I watched a movie. What movie did you see? Rebel in the Rye. <laughs> this sounds like a good down-home southern flick. If you know anything about me, you know I fucking hate the book Catcher in the Rye. Yes. I hate it. It is the dumbest book ever. Maybe back in the day, it was rebellious that some guy was like, I hate my school, darn it. I'm gonna go hang out in New York and not have sex with a hooker. Yeah. And, and then I saw a transvestite in a hotel window. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it was so phony. <laughs> <laughs> so I hate Catcher in the Rise. There's a biographical movie of J.D. Salinger oh. called Rebel in the Rye. And nice. I was like, I'm going to hate watch this yeah, or yeah, yeah. Uh, come to understand the man. Nice. So it starts off, you don't know anything about his childhood. It starts off, he's in a bar. And As a child? Well, hopefully, but yeah. no, he just childlike. Okay, yeah. And the fact that he's an asshole. They don't betray him as an asshole, but get this. <laughs> J.D. Salinger yeah. doesn't like phonies. What? Yeah, there's all these phonies in the bar. <laughs> and he doesn't like them. Oh, man. And he has a friend who is with him, and he, he talks to the friend about how the people are phonies. But you never really see the friend. He doesn't have any friends for some reason. Okay. So it's um, like his internal monologue. If this was a better movie, you'd find out at the end he was just talking to himself when this guy was around. But he isn't that big of a character. Turns out there's this girl there and she's <laughs> looking good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his friend's like, oh yeah, um, she's somebody's daughter, some famous writer's daughter. We'll just say Walt Whitman. Yeah. Because that's all that comes to my mind right now. Mm -hmm. And she really loves writers. Oh, yeah. J.D. Salinger goes up to her. And she has these two gatekeeper girlfriends. Yeah, that's good. He's like, oh, hey, I'm a writer or something. And the girlfriends go, what have you been published in? Yeah. And, oh, fuck, he hasn't done anything because he's just a dude in a bar. And they walk away with her and he's like, crap, I guess I have to become a writer. <laughs> so this girl likes me, which is... Kind of some phony bullshit, if you would ask me. That, yeah, uh, yeah, not real writers do that. Yeah, so he decides he wants to be a writer, yeah. goes to his mom, and he's written some stuff, and his mom reads it, and get this, his mom 
thinks his writing is good. She's really He's a great writer. Yeah, his mom gets it. Yeah, his mom's like, this is wonderful writing, son. <laughs> and so he goes to his dad, and he's like, dad, I'm going to be a writer. And the dad's yeah. like, no, 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 no son of mine's going to become a writer because, you know, you're not going to make any money. You need to be become a butcher and make some money. Yeah. And the mom goes, no. <laughs> He's going to college, uh, uh. even though he's dropped out of every school you've ever put him in. He's going to college, and you're going to pay for it. J.D. Salinger never had to be like, no, I'm going to become a writer, and I'm going to do it on my own. Fuck you, Dad. It's more like, um, we're going to put little J.D. in college again, yeah. and he's going to do really great. So he gets in the college, first day of class. His professor is played by Kevin Spacey, who uh. is amazing. But it's great to see Kevin Spacey, especially as like an authority figure that's helping a young man out you know he's in the role of yeah he's molding the young man yeah so jd salinger shows up first day of class and is like not paying attention because he's jd salinger mm -hmm. yeah and uh kevin spacey's like wouldn't you agree with that young jd and jd's like oh i haven't been listening he's an asshole yeah yeah so kevin spacey's just like well, fuck you. Yeah. Like, you barely got into this college. Like, I read your writing. It sucks. Fuck you. <laughs> and J.D. Salinger is like, well, fuck you. So he's already at a great start becoming a writer. For some reason, they become friends. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, uh... JD's a hot little piece of ass. Yeah, so Kevin Spacey's just like, you know, inspiring him. And he's like, yes, you have a great voice, but you also have to be able to tell a tale. <laughs> and so JD Salinger's is like, fuck yeah, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to become a writer. He writes one thing. Okay. Gives it to Kevin Spacey and is like, I want you to publish this in your magazine because you publish a magazine. Okay, that's convenient. Yeah, and Kevin Spacey's like... Uh, fuck you. This is the worst <laughs> thing you've ever written. Basically, this movie is male entitlement, the movie. Yeah. So he starts writing more stuff and more stuff. He's learning things and he's oh, actually wow. listening, which is great. Finally, um, he, he hands in this piece that he put his heart into and Kevin Spacey reads it and he goes, this is brilliant. Oh. Uh, let me show you something really quick, though. Uh-oh, this is going to be the part where he gets sexually assaulted. Kevin Spacey would never sexually assault <laughs> anyone. I'm Why sorry, would you I'm even suggest that? I'm sorry, I we'll edit that out later. Well, yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a man of... Integrity? Yeah, well, I was going to say letters, bigger? but I don't oh, yeah. even know what that means. Uh, PhD. PhD, yeah. Well, in and the BA. Movie, yeah. B.S. B.S. B.D.M. Oh, how's that go? B.D.S.M. Yeah. R.E.S.P.E.C.T. Yeah. Uh, um. R.E.M. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, anyway. <laughs> Kevin so shows Spacey. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Kev, he's like, this was great work. This oh. is amazing. Nice. You're great. I want to publish you. But he J.D. Like Salinger is like, great, finally. Yeah, but he does the air quotes when he says publish. Yeah. I want to publish <laughs> Le Petit Mort Parish. <laughs> so Kevin Spacey hands him a magazine. Okay. And uh, I get, he's an editor of this magazine. You know, back in the days, there's all sorts of magazines with short stories and stuff. Sure. The New Yorker was the biggest. And J.D. Salinger wanted to get into the New Yorker. Kevin Spacey's like, hands him an already printed magazine. And guess what's in it? Uh, 
The first thing J.D. Salinger ever wrote is in the magazine. But it was terrible. Yeah, but guess what? It wasn't. Oh. <laughs> it was brilliant. You, you're, you are a great writer from the beginning. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you were really a writer. And a real writer writes even when no one's listening. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you're brilliant, J.D. Oh, brother. You're amazing. <laughs> Everything you write is amazing. I just needed to push you just a little bit. You needed Aww. to have you needed to have a bad month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I could find out that you really wanted to write. <laughs> and JD Salinger is like, great. I'm hearing everything I've ever wanted to hear. Yeah. Because I wanted to be a writer maybe for the last six months. <laughs> so he goes back to the bar with all the phonies. Oh, yeah. He's going to get that hot chick. And it's a jazz bar. <laughs> the jazz guys are playing. Yeah. And th th this is the best part. His friend goes, yeah, you're really cooking it to this black guy that's playing up there. And the black guy kind of rolls his eyes, <laughs> which is on the road to me. Yeah. When I read On the Road, I was just like, fuck you. It's like the same book. It's these white guys going around going, we know jazz, right? Hey, black got that, man. And these black guys are just like, okay. Yeah, roll it around, yeah. Keep that money coming. There's a tip jar right here. That was like the best moment of the movie, and it lasted one second. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're a bunch of whiners. So he yeah. goes up to the girl and he's like, hey, uh, Walt Whitman's daughter or niece, which it would be the the song Mermaid Avenue. So Somehow, uh, somehow somewhere, Walt Whitman's jizz was yeah, involved in Yeah, spread out yeah. and uh, watered down. And now she's this <laughs> rich phony. Yeah. So he goes up to this rich girl and he's like, care to dance? And she's like, yes. And so they dance, and they're in love. And wow. they're dancing, and she's like, I read your published piece. It oh, was yeah, amazing. Yeah. You're the greatest writer of our generation. <laughs> I love you. Uh, Great. Yeah. He's got the girl. So the war comes... And he's already been working on this great character that he wants to get published in the New Yorker. Oh, yeah. Inspector. Holden Caulfield. Oh. oh. But also he was working on... Inspector Gadget. Yeah. He was trying to get the phonies. <laughs> but it turned out that, you know, like his gadgets just wouldn't work. He, like, well, Dr. Claw was like the biggest phony of all. Well, he's wearing a mask. Yeah, like, he's literally wearing a mask and he's got a cat that he's just stroking in his high castle. Yeah, yeah. And he's got that voice modulator. <laughs> yeah. Phony. Yeah. So anyway, so he invents Holden Caulfield so he doesn't have to go serve in the army. He goes to the war. Nice. And uh, before the war, his dad's like... They're having a little party for him. Oh. Because you're going to war and, you know, you have a little party in case you never come back. And his dad says, this is great. Like, you're finally going to become a man. Oh, yeah, yeah. And do something with your life. And I'm thinking that, too. Yeah. Then Kevin Spacey gets up and says, you are brilliant. You're the greatest writer ever. <laughs> you're already a man. Wow. Your dad's a dick. <laughs> he's not saying this, but it's pretty yeah. much what he's saying is you're the greatest writer I've ever worked with. You're amazing. Come back alive. Okay. So you can be the voice of your generation. Okay. He goes to war. 
you know, there's a you know montage of him in the war, and there's this scene where he's uh, bayonetting a hooker. Yeah, and uh, you know, he's just like you phony. <laughs> you didn't even like it. <laughs> you were just <laughs> pretending to like it because I paid you, you damn phony. There's all these phonies. Alright, so he fights. Like, the worst thing about J.D. Salinger, too, is that he pretty much killed John Lennon. Like, that, like, I already hated the book, and then I find out somebody read the book and decided to kill John Lennon. Well, I thought the CIA was uh, using their MK Ultra program. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were like, well, let's have a book involved also, and they just kind of grabbed the nearest one they found. Yeah. Let's blame it on the shittiest book we can think of. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he actually read Catcher in the Rye and if he liked it. Ooh, good question. We should find that out. Yeah. When I see Paul McCartney, I think <laughs> this is like the worst John Lennon I've ever that done. Was great, too. I love it. Or whenever I hear Paul, I think, what a phony. <laughs> I write Strawberry Fields Forever and then this phony does Penny Lane. What a phony. <laughs> Somebody should shoot him. <laughs> How ironic. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's all right to be a phony. You put on a little hat. <laughs> put on a little hat and then you, you, you know, you're rotten as someone else. What a phony you are. <laughs> so he goes to war and you're like, all right, he's going to figure some shit out. He's yeah. like, doesn't figure any shit out. Oh. You would think this would like make him stop caring about Holden Caulfield being like, it's kind of bullshit. To be calling people out as phonies when there's this war going on. People are dying. Yeah. So he's at uh, D-Day. The only reason he lived is because his boat landed kind of in the wrong place. But he sees everyone die. Really? So you would think he starts being more empathetic towards people and not wanting to care whether they're phonies. Just like life is precious. Yeah. He goes to liberate concentration camps. Did he save Private Ryan? He saved his own privates. Um, <laughs> there's this brilliant scene. He's hunkered down in a trench that brilliantly looks like a grave. Ooh. And he is freezing. It is snowing. He's going to die. Even though we're winning, he's going to die. Great. Yeah. Sounds and it good. zooms down on him in this grave. Yeah. And he says to himself... <laughs> I hope I don't get pneumonia. Really? That's <laughs> I hope I don't die of pneumonia. A bunch of jerks are going to come to my funeral. <laughs> Not, I hope I don't die so I can see this woman I love. Right. Oh, and I totally forgot the best part, which was uh, when he was overseas. Right. This girl said she would wait for him and that she loved him. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, turns out somebody's reading an old-timey newspaper. Yeah. And on the cover, you see that she got married. <gasps> no. Yeah. Get Plot this. Contrivance. Who do you think she married? Walt Whitman. That no. No. Heart. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. No, that would have been great. Holden Caulfield's mother. No. Well, it was illegal back then, so well. I guess not. Uh, the army recruiter who told Holden Caulfield <laughs> that they would help pay for his college. Yeah, he, could, he could kill all those phonies in yeah. Europe. Oh, the hooker that he bayoneted while he was deployed. <laughs> That's who married uh, his girl. Yeah. <laughs> she married. Yeah. Charlie Chaplin! 
The old trick. <laughs> was she that creepy 24-year-old girl? <laughs> married him when he was like 70. Yeah, that pushed his wheelchair around. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, she actually made the right decision. Yeah, him and Char yeah holding coffee. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> So instead, well, the whole time he's in Europe, instead of thinking life is precious, he's just thinking, fucking Charlie Chaplin, that phony steals my girl. I'm going to come back and fucking, I hate Charlie Chaplin. I'm going to write a book that'll make someone want to kill Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Everyone is like, how's your girl doing, J.D.? <laughs> so he comes back from the war learning absolutely nothing about humanity. Nice. Just like if you read Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. And so he comes back and he has PTSD or post-traumatic stress. Yeah, PTSD, yeah. which is, you know, upsetting. Yeah. Because he saw all this horrific stuff. Still learned nothing. And uh, no one knows how to help him because this is the old days. And they're like, oh, yes, everyone comes back with that. You didn't need to just get over it. Yeah. Just he can't write. Just and make uh, up a fake story about banana fish and then shoot yourself. <laughs> That's what he did. Yeah. He made up a fake story about banana fish and that brought him <laughs> back. Uh, um, he actually found transcendental meditation, which is another link to John Lennon. Oh, yeah. He starts meditating, he starts writing better, and he's being a little bitch to Kevin Spacey, though, because when he came back from the war, Kevin Spacey promised that okay. he would publish a book, and nobody wants to publish it because nobody fucking cares about any... Uh, he's, he's just thrown off by this. He's oh, like, yeah. everyone loved me before the war. Why don't they want my books about phonies? And he's not writing about Holden Caulfield anymore, even though Holden saved him through the war. Oh. Because he was his only friend <laughs> and he would write about Holden in the war like Holden Caulfield himself he cannot stick it into the hooker that he paid for <laughs> his friend is like hey I'm trying to get this book published for you yeah I'm Kevin Spacey I'm a great guy I am working so hard for you yeah altruistically yeah it's just not happening. So he's like, fuck you, Kevin Spacey, who made my career and made me a writer and helped me find my voice. Yeah. You're not publishing my shitty stories, telling me I should keep writing the Holden book and inspiring me. Fuck you <laughs> for not publishing my shitty short stories. Yeah. He's not really about the delayed gratification. Yeah. So something happens where he's finally able to write in, about Holden again. Um uh, yeah, I forget yeah. transcendental shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's this guru guy that's where he's like, oh, I couldn't write today. And he's like, why couldn't you write? And he's like, I wasn't feeling good. Well, you should feel good. <laughs> you know, just yeah. kind of like that bullshit. Uh -huh. And he's like, oh, I wrote today and I tore up the page. And he's like, how did it feel? And he goes, to write? And he's like, no, to tear up the page. <gasps> and he's like, it felt kind of fun. He's like. I want you to tear up two pages tomorrow. <laughs> so anyway, Cash of the Rye. Yeah. He writes it, and finally people are like, you know what? Fuck the war. We want to have fun again. We want to hear about how people are bullshit. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So he learned nothing from his whole experience in World War II. Nice. Nothing in his life. Excellent. It's just people are phonies. Yeah. I don't like phonies. Yeah. Everyone loves Holden Caulfield. Wow. 
It's an amazing book. Mm -hmm. People start showing up at his house with red caps on saying, <laughs> I'm holding Caulfield. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, all these phonies. <laughs> There's even more phonies now. Oh, and they man. think they're holding Caulfield. And he meets this woman. He's still got the PTSD. And he's like, I, I, I don't want to be in the party. I want to smoke outside by myself. And this girl comes up. You know, there's a party in there. Uh -huh. And he's like, I don't feel like a party. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like being out here smoking. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you hear you're quite the writer. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he's just like, Ugh. and she's like, I didn't like your book. <laughs> And he's like, wah, wah, wee, wah, girl, that's not a phony. She'll tell me how it is. So yeah. they get married. Nice. And they move to like some small place in like New Hampshire or some shit. Okay. He's writing again. He still doesn't like Kevin Spacey. He starts getting into God, which is like, you're kind of getting phony, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Backsliding. He has this church youth group that he's helping out with since uh, he knows about... Well, because he knows about the kids. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, He yeah, knows yeah. the kids think people are phonies. Yeah, and they want to, like, accept He's got price. the 12 to 16-year-old demographic nailed. Yeah, that's true. So, like, the priest is like, hey, hang out with these kids. They think people are phonies. Yeah. And so one of the kids is this girl, and she's like, hey, can I interview you? And he's like, I don't do interviews, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, it's just for my school newspaper. Oh. And he's like, okay, you know what? You're a writer, and she interviews them, and it's going to be in the school newspaper. But we'll get this. It's not in the school newspaper. What? It's in the town's newspaper. Oh, that's like bait and switch. <laughs> yeah, that is one half step up from the school newspaper. Yeah. But you would think it was like published in, you know, LA Times or something. And he's like, what the fuck? That phony lied to me. And he puts up a fence around his beautiful house. So nobody could ever come in and interview him. Oh man, that'll teach him a lesson. Yeah. He has a baby with his wife and his wife's upset because she's like obviously alone. Yeah. And he's writing all day. They end up getting a divorce, and then uh, <laughs> he later writes an intro for Kevin Spacey's anthology of his magazine. Okay. Which is failing because J.D. Salinger's a dick and then, like, doesn't want to, like, help him out anymore. And he's like, oh, you, you published my first work, but fuck you. Yeah. Because... You're doing the thing where you uh, criticize me, which made me a better writer. <laughs> and then the movie's over. Yeah. Thanks for watching. He didn't learn anything. You didn't learn anything. You love catching the rye because when you were 15, they made you read it in school. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, finally a book where somebody is a dick like me. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the movie. No empathy for J.D. Salinger. Yeah. Well, I he... didn't figure out why Catcher in the Rye is so great. It's just a bunch of bitches whining about other people. Get over yourself. Fuck you. <laughs> I hate you. And I hate that you're so well loved. Excellent. I love it. That sounds like a great movie about a widely renowned book. Uh-huh. I also saw a movie that was based on a very widely renowned Ooh. book as well. The movie I saw this week was Howard's End. Oh, I've never 
read the book. Yeah. I've never... I never saw the movie. No. I know it's got, like, a British actress in it. Oh, it's got all the British actresses in it. Oh, wow. So this is, like, one of those movies. It's kind of like Sense and Sensibility or Lord of the Rings or, (laughs) you know, like, everyone's British. There's, like, an unnecessary amount of characters and every scene goes on for way longer than it has to. Yeah, because no one had anything to do back then. Exactly. But read long, drawn-out drama about nothing. Yeah, they didn't have video games. They didn't have YouTube videos. They just had books. So I was yeah. like, all right, give me the longest book you got. Yeah. Stuff like Lord of the Rings is cool because there's magic and monsters. Yeah, and but this is... Howard's End, it doesn't have any magic spells in it. But it's got a lot of symbolism. Ooh. And that's like the other thing. People love this because it has so much symbolism yeah, in it. they can talk about it in their AP English class. Yeah, and it's like the same people who like were really into Where's Waldo. <laughs> they're like, I saw the symbolism over here <laughs> in the corner by the, you know, penguins. Yeah, I saw a kid who dropped her ice cream at the beach scene. <laughs> that's <laughs> symbolic of... Dropping my ice cream at the beach. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's all this heavy-handed <laughs> symbolism with trains and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, but uh, the movie's ultimately about, you know, everybody has their own uh, magical woodland fantasy. Oh, okay. I mean, well, what's yours? Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. You know? <laughs> my magical woodland fantasy is like stacking blocks on top of each other. <laughs> Whacking things with a pickaxe and trying to get enough uh, obsidian so I can build a portal to the nether. What's your magical woodland fantasy? I don't know if I have one. Um, Oh, um, Moon of Endor. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. A bunch of cute Ewoks that slaughter stormtroopers. Yep, yep, and yub yub. And the yub nub. Yub nub and uh, taking down the Empire. Oh, yeah. And the speeder bikes. Those were pretty amazing. My woodland fantasy needs more speeder bikes. Yeah. Well, if we can mod your Minecraft. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that would be a Minecraft that That's I would take one. part yeah. in. Yeah, you could take, you'd have AT-ATs and destroy them. Oh. These armored vehicles instantly with two logs. Yeah, yeah. Coming together in the right place. All right, I like where this is going. Princess Leia wearing a goofy hat. Oh yeah, that, that was a pretty goofy hat. And then C-3PO making up a story for the Ewoks. Yeah. And then uh, Luke levitates his chair. Yeah, I liked how Luke just was a little bitch during that whole scene. He's yeah. just like, they got their own culture, let them kill us. <laughs> Prime directive, yeah. so they can't interfere. All right, so Howard's end. It starts off, they just show you a big painting by this guy who is Vincent Van Gogh's roommate. His okay. name's Paul Gauguin. Oh, is it the one where they're, they all have umbrellas? And no, that's, that guy was never roommates with Van Gogh. No. no, Paul Gauguin was like this impressionist guy. Well, they were roommates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they fucked. I, you know, no big. Yeah. But Paul Gauguin, if you care at all about his shitty art, he was like this banker he had like a wife and kids and then one day he's like you know what being a responsible and a contributing member of society sucks i'm gonna go live a magical woodland fantasy hmm. and he spent the rest of his career painting uh, pictures of naked brown chicks and then writing on the paintings isn't it cool that i'm living this magical woodland fantasy <laughs> i'm not kidding look it up he's a total piece of shit so you already you got the idea yeah, like this you, movie he's um 
the J.D. Salinger of the art world. He yeah, exactly. swearing everyone off to go and write his little fantasies about whatever bullshit. Yeah. So you can tell right now this movie is going to be about it sucks to be a, a rich person with a nice family. It'd be a lot cooler to just, like, muck around, you know. J.D. Salinger. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, uh, all right, so the movie starts out, and you got Helena Bonham Carter, so, you know, she's... Wonderful. A, yeah. But she's gonna be a, a pixie. She's the skank. You you know, she yeah. always plays the skank. So, she's making out with this guy outside of a party, and then the next scene, Margaret Schlegel, who's, like, the most British person you've ever seen in your life. Like, more British than Hugh Grant? Uh, way more British than Hugh Grant. Wow. She actually tutored Hugh Grant and had a <laughs> Yeah, the other great thing about this movie is it really explores the diversity of white people. Oh, yeah. There's, like, rich white people. There's poor white people. There's white people of Germanic descent. Oh, there's wow. white people who are uh, of British descent. And French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a bleach rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> so, Margaret Schlegel... So she's reading this letter from Helen, who was making out with the guy, and Helen's all excited because they're getting engaged. Oh, yeah. This isn't cool because the guy she was making out with is a Wilcox, and the Wilcoxes don't have money or something. And Margaret's rich. She's got a ton of money. Her and Helen, you know, they're doing fine. How's he going to pay the... Uh... Dowry? Yeah. The butter... Uh, they don't... I think the girl pays the dowry? Oh, Yeah. Well, why are you going to pay that guy the dowry when it's not going to come back to you later? Yeah, so this guy's not going to be a good use of dowry money. Yeah. Yeah, so they're pretty upset about that. And then meanwhile, they go back to Helen, and she's talking to the guy she's getting engaged to, the Wilcox guy. Yeah. She's like, pretty cool, we're getting engaged. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm actually uh, moving to Nigeria, and you can't go there because there's too many black people. <laughs> and also, I don't have any money, so they break up. Oh. That's kind of the end of that. Well, that's upsetting. It is. I was really upset. I was like, oh, true love. So a few months later, Helen's at this fancy piano recital. Uh-huh. And they're like playing piano. And this guy gives like a lecture about it. And he's like, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony is the most exquisite sound to have ever penetrated the ear of man. Mm. And you're like, wow, what a classy guy. He's into penetration. Yeah. Well, then this heckler stands up and he starts. <laughs> heckler. Yeah. And he goes like, last night, your mother said I was the most exquisite <laughs> to have ever penetrated her backside. <laughs> so there's this whole ruckus. And so Helen is like, fuck this. Oh, and she sees her ex-boyfriend. He's not in Nigeria. He's not in Nigeria. Oh, God. Yeah. Another well, Nigerian prince scam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she leaves, she walks out in the middle of the performance, and it's raining outside, and she didn't bring an umbrella with her. Oh, no. But well, someone's going to have to have a little chivalry here. And... Well, she's rich, so she just steals somebody's umbrella. Oh. You know, because it's just like an umbrella. How much does an umbrella cost? It's probably like a day's wages. Anyways, she walks out with this umbrella, and meanwhile, this guy Leonard... Leonard Bast, he realizes, like, oh, my umbrella's being stolen. Yeah, by, uh... Tim Burton's ass. Yeah. yeah, and he's so poor that he can't just afford to buy a new umbrella. Yeah. So he has to go chase her all over town in the rain. <laughs> to get his umbrella. To get his umbrella back. And so he goes to her house and... And she, we've already established that she's into poor dudes. Foreshadowing there. He goes to her house and it's like Helen and her sister Margaret. And he's like, hi, can I have my umbrella back? It's as if you took too many napkins from the McDonald's. Yeah. And, like, the McDonald's manager comes over yeah. to ask... Hey, I, I want my paper napkins, napkins yeah. yeah. 
So they're all laughing at him. They're and like, I oh. see some straws sticking out of your <laughs> backside. Yeah, so they're like laughing at him. And they're like, oh, my sister, the umbrella thief. Yeah. And why don't you come in and have tea with it's us? It's all fun for them. Yeah, and he's like, no, I just want my umbrella. I'm not going to have tea and scones. Oh, so now they're really going to like him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's playing hard to get. Yeah. Margaret gives him her business card or it has her address on and he's like, cool, I'll use this as a bookmark because bookmarks are also really expensive. Yeah. He goes home to his wife, Jackie, who's my favorite character in Ooh. this whole movie. Jackie's great. Jackie's a little sassy. Jackie's a little sassy. She's kind of white trash, but she's <laughs> keeping it real. Yeah. And they live in this shitty apartment down by the train tracks, which is metaphorical. Leonard gets home and she's like, oh, where were you? And he's like, oh, I had to go get an umbrella. And, you know, and she's like... Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm horny. Let's do it. And he's like, yeah. well, I kind of would rather read this book so that I can go into my magical woodland fantasy. Yeah. And use my brand new bookmark. Yeah. So he goes into his magical woodland fantasy. And while she's getting naked, then the train goes by. Oh, what's that symbolic of? Uh, the inexorable progress of the industrial age. I oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Know. I know they they use that in a lot of films. Are there any uh, rocket ships blasting off in this? No, but only because they couldn't get permission from the estate of Jules Verne. Oh. Yeah. Any um, sausage factories? <laughs> it depends on how flexible you are with your metaphors. Yeah. Any uh, dildo manufacturers? <laughs> well, there is a rubber company. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah there yeah. we go. Yeah. What do, you, what do you use rubber for? Condoms and dildos. dildos pretty much. So anyways, Margaret... And anal beads. Yeah. So Margaret Schlegel becomes best friends with Mrs. Wilcox. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's like the Wilcox matriarch. They're probably like lesbians. Like yeah. they don't say it in the book, but there's a lot of speculation and yeah. you know, you know, that's fine. So they have this great relationship. Mrs. Wilcox is always going on about her house, Howard's End. Okay. She's like, Howard's End is I was hoping there would be a, a guy named Howard in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well probably Howard and it's about will... how he uses his flatulence to, uh, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a bit of a rake, he's a rogue, yeah. but at the end of the day, he uses his farts to set things right. Oh, man, I like this version better. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, he'll lie to him, <laughs> he can, like, talk with his farts. Oh, yeah. So it looks like he's just sitting there, and then someone be like... I'm over here! The guy who's getting cuckled will run to the closet <laughs> while Howard gets out. Yeah, fart ventriloquism. So anyways, Margaret Schlegel, Mrs. Wilcox, they're best friends and like, you know, bumping clams or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And Mrs. Wilcox is like, I have this awesome house called Howard's End. Yeah. It's, this house is a magical woodland fantasy. You mm. have to see it to believe it. And it has nothing to do with, with Howard and yeah. his butt. It's just some house. And Margaret's like, that's cool. She's renting a house for some reason, uh -huh. even though she's rich. She's really bummed out because uh, they're going to tear her house down so they can build affordable housing for poor pieces of shit like Leonard. Fuck that. Yeah. So they're commiserating over that. They're like, how dreadful. Then Mrs. Wilcox dies. Oh. So, but she's dying and she's in the hospital. But like really quick, she writes on a post-it note. Oh. She's like, give Howard's end to Margaret. Yeah. Yeah. You know, somebody on their deathbed who's elderly can totally just write something on a piece of paper and people will accept it. Her kin will just be fine with it. Nope, not in this movie. What? So Mr. Wilcox and all the Wilcox kids, yeah. they get together and they're like, what the fuck is this post-it note? And they're like, yeah. We're, we ain't giving Margaret Howard's end. Yeah. So they throw it in the fire. It's magical. They, they basically, they just don't want her to have it. Yeah. 
So they throw it in the fire. That's the end of Act 1. Act 2. Now Jackie and Leonard are finally married because they were living in the sand for a while. Oh. And she's still horny all the time, but he just wants to, like, look at constellations and, yeah. like, go to his magical woodland fantasy. Well, anyways, Leonard, he works at an insurance place. He's a clerk. Supposed to be working, but then he sneaks his book out of his desk and oh. reads it. And then his desk is magically transported to a woodland fantasy. So, you know. So is it Endor or Minecraft that he goes to? Well, if you were watching it, you'd see Endor. But when uh, I watch it, I see Minecraft. Okay. One day, Jackie shows up at Margaret's house. Uh-huh. She's dressed like she shops at the outlet mall. And they're like, excuse me, we don't know you. Yeah. She's like, well, I'm looking for my husband, Leonard. And they're like, what the fuck would Leonard be doing here? Yeah. So that's all confusing. She starts acting a fool, and then she gets embarrassed and leaves. The next day, Leonard shows up at Margaret's house. Oh. And he's, he's like, like, hey. My wife here? Yeah, he's like, I heard my wife came by. Sorry about that. I, I had your business card, and I was gone for a couple days, and she didn't know where I was and thought I was here. Yeah. And they're like, well, where were you? And he's like, well, I was reading my book, and I was thinking about my magical woodland fantasy, and then I started wandering around the middle of nowhere. Hmm. But when he mentions this, Helen gets all excited. She's like, oh, I read that same book, Magical Woodland Fantasy. Yeah. It's the best. Again, Helen and Leonard are kind of like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Later we find out that he's more of an Endor and she's more of a Minecraft. I think she's more of an Endor and he's more of a Minecraft. Okay. That's my perspective. Although the constellations, well, we could nitpick at this all day long. Yeah, well, it's the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, yeah. So Mr. Wilcox... Shows up and he starts hanging out with Margaret and then he tricks Leonard into quitting his job for some reason. Oh, what a bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, oh, 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 he quit his job. Oh, he's poor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so you've seen this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then Margaret's hanging out with Mr. Wilcox and she's like, hey, uh, I know you still got Howard's End. Maybe I could rent it out. I don't have yeah. a house. And he's like... I got a better idea. How about you and I get married? Ooh. And you're thinking like, gross. But then she starts making out with them and they get married. So yeah. I don't know. I guess she was turned on by that. So the Wilcox kids are all mad because Margaret's going to be their stepmom. Yeah. And Leonard Bass is still unemployed. And Mr. Wilcox decides that instead of like living in Howard's End, they're just going to turn it into a storage unit for all of Margaret's stuff. Oh, cool. Because Mr. Wilcox is super rich. He's like a billionaire or something. He owns a rubber company where they make dildos and yeah. all that shit. On a so, daily basis. Yeah. Margaret puts all her stuff in the storage unit, and then she gets to go see Howard's End, and there's this whole montage where she sees what a magical woodland fantasy it really is, and she's like, oh, the nature, oh, the trees, and she's like, Mr. Wilcox, look at this magical fantasy, and he's like, yeah, so what? Yeah. He's like, uh, I'm rich and I'm interested in money, not magical yeah. woodland fantasy. I don't like Endor. Yeah. I like Coruscant. Yeah, exactly. He's definitely a Coruscant guy. Yeah. That's the end of Act 2. Act 3, for some reason, there's a fancy wedding in the middle of the countryside. Helen and Margaret are there with Mr. Wilcox. Mm -hmm. And Helen brings Jackie and Leonard over. Yep. Because they're poor and unemployed. Yeah, and she wants to show them what they're missing out on. Well, she wants to help them out. Margaret asks Mr. Wilcox, she's like, hey, could you get Leonard a job? Yeah. And he's like, okay, just this once. And, uh, and the other guy's like, I'm going to make him quit that job too. <laughs> 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 well, meanwhile, it's open bar and there's just 
tons of cake. And so Jackie's Ooh. like going to town on the buffet and getting shit faced. And everyone's yeah. like, who's this lady with like her, you know, uh, dress barn outfit? Yeah. So it's weird. And then Mr. Wilcox comes over. They're like, oh, have you met Jackie? And Jackie's like, oh, I remember you. And it turns out she lost her virginity to him when she was 16. What? So Mr. Wilcox is like all embarrassed. He's like, uh, I gotta go. And Jackie starts crying because she's just like a hot mess at this yeah, point. Yeah, she's, she's drunk. She's had all the cake. And yeah. somebody stole her virginity is yeah, there. 10 years ago. Yeah. Margaret forgives Mr. Wilcox. She's like, I know you had to get your dick wet with that hot little piece of jail bait. It's all right. Yeah. Helen was talking to Leonard, and she's like, what's this all about? And Leonard's like, well, I, I knew about this the whole time, but my secret identity is Captain Save-A-Hoe. <laughs> and then Helen gets, like, really horny, because this is, like, yeah. you know, the, the triple crown. So they start making out. Then later on, she tries to give him $5,000, which is a ton of money. Yeah, that's but, a lot of money now. Yeah, but he can't accept your charity, you know. Yeah. So he's still poor, and everything sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I quit his job. It's not going to another job. It's not taking money. Oh, 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 oh. And then he's like, yeah, he has to change his pants because he ejaculated. <laughs> it's the only thing that gets me off. <laughs> Several months later, Margaret and Mr. Wilcox got married and they're going to build a big fancy mansion because he's mm -hmm. rich. Yeah. And then no one's seen Helen. She's been in Germany hiding out. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what's going on with Helen? Why is she in Germany? Well, let's see her. So they come up with this plan and they trick Helen into going to Howard's End because mm -hmm. she needs her books back and they're all in storage over yeah, there. They're, they're all about Endor. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she goes to Howard's End to get her, you know, uh, Star Wars encyclopedia. Yeah, her Thrawn trilogy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By uh, Zahn. Yeah, Timothy Zahn. Yeah. Timothy Zahn. And, uh, Not canon anymore. It's a shame, out. yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the Salmiri snake things that blocked out the Force were kind of like, yeah. they're kind of OP. Yeah. So she shows up there and she's pregnant. What? Yeah. And it turns out Leonard's the baby daddy, but Leonard doesn't Ooh. know this. So well, they just made out. Guess they made out and then they fucked in a boat. Oh. Yeah. Well. They were making waves. If the boat's a rockin', something that rhymes with that that isn't a knockin'. <laughs> the boat's a rockin'. Then my womb is gonna be a knockin'. Yeah. Howard's end... It's flatulence pop locking. <laughs> so Mr. Wilcox is like, you got to get this slut out of here. Yeah. And Margaret's like, hey, don't you think you're being a hypocrite? You know, like you. Yeah, were... don't slut shame. Yeah. And he goes, pimps up, hose down. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Leonard keeps having all these dreams about Helen because they fucked that one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes. Looking... And he's also like, oh, that money. Yeah. He's like, maybe I'm not too proud to take $5,000. Not too proud to break. Yeah. So he goes looking for Helen. And they're like, oh, she's at Howard's End. So he walks out of the slums, gets on a train, goes to wherever, walks all the way to Howard's End. And he's mm -hmm. like, going to go meet his destiny. And he gets there and he sees Helen. And then one of the Wilcox kids is there for some reason. Uh-huh. So he grabs a sword and he starts hitting Leonard with <laughs> it. And Leonard falls into a bookcase, and then he dies because he's crushed underneath the weight of the books. He <laughs> 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 escaped my books! He escaped my books! <laughs> and then, oh, he quit his job, and then, and then he quit another job, and he wouldn't take the money, and then books! And then books! <laughs> yeah! Mr. Wilcox, like, danced a little jig. Yeah. 
Well, then the police showed up. The Wilcox kid's a dumbass, so he's like telling him everything. Yeah. They're like, well, you're going to jail, idiot. For manslaughter. Yeah. So Margaret's going to get divorced from Mr. Wilcox. Because uh-huh. the pimps up, hose down thing kind of pushed her over the edge. Yeah. Mr. Wilcox starts crying because he realizes his son's going to jail and he's going to be like someone's prison bitch. Yeah. <laughs> You're not so funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then Helen's all upset because her baby daddy's dead. Yeah. You know, nobody wants that. From the thing that she loves. Exactly. Books. Yeah. The irony. Books killed her baby daddy. (laughs) Yeah. So the next summer, they're all hanging out, and Mr. Wilcox is reading some legal document. Uh Uh-huh. Because they're getting divorced, and he's like... Sounds like fine. And he's like, I'm going to give Howard Zen to Margaret. Mm Mm-hmm. All the Wilcox kids are like, yeah, it's probably for the best. They're like talking to each other and they're like, isn't it ironic that Mrs. Wilcox wanted Margaret to have Howard's End all along? It's almost as if Howard's End has a mind of its own. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Margaret is like overhears that and she's like, what the fuck? Like, Mr. Wilcox, what is that about? And he goes... Well, she wrote her will on a post-it note. What do you want me to do? And then that's the actual end of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, and then they're like, thanks for watching. Well, both of them kind of ended it in a weird place. (laughs) So she inherits Endor. Yeah. And then Helen gets to live there with her kid. Although Helen has like three kids now, even though it's only been a year later. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. Well, what a good story. I, I, I loved it from start to finish. Yeah, I, um... The symbolism. And they've definitely done a Howard's End with zombies, right? If they haven't, they're or going to. Or with vampires. Yeah. Or, or with werewolves. werewolves. Or with chupacabras. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or with the gray whale. Oh, yeah. Or the mothman. Mothman. Or, or the m- enderman. Or the mothra. Or the slenderman. Or the, uh... Batman. Or Bender Man from Futurama. Yeah. Or, uh... The Gremlins, but with Gizmo, and you can't feed him food after 10 o'clock. Yeah. There's so many different versions of Howard's End that we can make. Yes. Howard's End with Chewbacca. Exactly. It's the Where's Waldo of movies. Chewie! (laughs) I can't believe that you got that guy to quit his job. <laughs> Should we watch some movie trailers? We might as well. All right. Yeah. Watch we'll get this playlist going on. The first trailer is for. Uh... Oh, is it not doing the thing where it's going sideways? Hold on. Mm. You push that. I know. I gotta do the full screen. Hold on. Okay. I don't have the sound up either. Oh, jeez. Bless you. I feel blessed every day well, that I get to do this podcast. That's from Howard's front. <laughs> All right, first trailer is for Heartlock. Heartlock. It's uh, uh, sounds like an app. Yeah. I'm running out of shit to count. <laughs> that's what I say every time I wipe my ass. <laughs> All right, he's in jail. He's counting stuff. Yeah. Is this the count, the movie? Exactly. It's based on Sesame Street. One nano raping. Ducks are CEOs that get sucker till they under cars So he counts shit and he counts duck. Midnight train out of here. There's no trains in prison. Well, they're symbolic of the anal raping. Oh, yeah, the inexorable progress of anal rape. You duck shorty, right? And she'll be the one coming to you with a plan. Oh, she's the key. Oh. I just never thought I'd see you in here. Funny. 
because I always knew you'd end up in here. Oh, it's her ex-girlfriend. They know each other. Or his ex-girlfriend. a person's soul before you can possess it. Shouldn't she recuse her soul? yourself some powerful leverage, boy. <laughs> <laughs> No, she's yeah, he's got so a this plan. is scared straight the movie. Yeah, yeah. Man, escaping from jail is not easy. Uh oh. Oh man. Heart lock. Okay. So he's locked up in jail. He's counting things. And also, his heart is locked up. Oh, kind of like. Oscar the Grouch. He's yeah. Oscar the Grouch. Uh-huh. He's going to become the Count. He's the Count. Mm-hmm. But he wants to fly away like Big Bird. Yeah. What bothers me is I'm tired of all these movies that portray people who are incarcerated for violent crimes as being not nice people. Mm, yeah. They're all like, oh, you got to escape from prison because it's a bad place to be. You have to lie, cheat, and steal to get out it's of here. It's a penitentiary because you have to pay your penance. If you go to a maximum security prison for violent offenders, uh-huh. you'll find that most of them are like, well, I know I kind of screwed up, so yeah. I'm just going to pay my debt to society and then get out yeah. when, when my sentence is up. I'd like to get my GED, though, because yeah. that will get me to the next level. <laughs> It'll help me be more attractive to potential employers. Yeah. And I didn't smuggle in a cell phone in my anus <laughs> and then uh, sell it for cigarettes. Yeah. All right, let's watch our next trailer. This one's uh, kidding. It's part of you that... No one can see. Oh, it's Jim Carrey. Oh. You see, the stuff I like about you isn't the stuff on the outside. Is it the stuff on like the inside? It's the other stuff. The inside stuff. Okay. Smile. Oh, it's a series? He likes guts. Da, 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 da. Uh, I wonder if he has a dark secret. Beautiful. He's just a good person you in a bad world. Wow. Jim Cry? No, Jim <laughs> Carrey. If this was just a movie, maybe, but it's a series, so you yeah. have to watch it over and over. Get to the point. Yeah, so it's going to be on Showtime. Well, the only Showtime I care about is uh, when a wizard casts a spell on my clock so I can't see it anymore and I want to undo the curse, and so I yell, Showtime! <laughs> the only showtime I care about is when I'm walking on the beach yeah. and a guy walks up to me and pulls down his bathing suit. Yeah. That happened a lot. I grew up near the beach. Not to me. No, no, no. But to people, girls. Well, the only showtime I care about. And they about... would always say showtime. Yeah. They would say it like Beetlejuice. Oh. You know, it's showtime! <laughs> and they go, remember? <laughs> remember Beetlejuice? <laughs> Well, the only showtime I care about is when I'm asking everybody's name in a room. Uh-huh. And then uh, we get to our friend Shout. Yeah. And he says everything backwards. And, you know, they go like, I'm Frederick. I'm Sebastian. And he goes, showtime. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Shout. <laughs> All right, let's watch the next trailer. Time is also uh, spice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah, the only showtime I care about <laughs> is when you're... Uh, Taking a cooking class, uh-huh. and you're like, you can't recognize any of the herbs. Yeah. And you're like, is this, uh, is this oregano? Is this uh, garlic? And then, you know, the cooking teacher goes, mm-mm, it's showtime. And you go, oh, cooking teacher. Yeah. And then he goes, 
My vernacular is in no way indicative of my ethnicity. <laughs> All right, next trailer. The Front Runner. This looks old. Yeah, they're, they're trying to make it look old. Hmm. My name is Gary Hart. I'm running for president. Okay, 1988. Some of you were alive back then. Well, does he win? He probably does. I think I Gary think... Hart was the president in 1988. Yeah, he was, definitely. Yeah, Ooh. President Hart. Oh, that was a beautiful lady and a dog. Oh, right, he had the monkey business monkey boat. Monkey business. And he had an affair with his wife on the boat. Well, he can't be a president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No president who's ever had an affair has ever done monkey business on a boat. Got Hugh Jackman, and he doesn't play Wolverine. It's up to us to hold these guys accountable. Just because some other paper used gossip as front page news, I mean, that doesn't mean we have to. It does. Oh my god, this looks so boring. Yeah, don't they know we have real problems now? Yeah. This process! Whether you do or do not! Well, that's gonna get him a Grammy. It's gonna get him a Golden Globe for sure. Yep. When you yell about the way things should be. I just don't think that it's fair that I had to get arrested for killing all those hookers. Oh. Oh yeah, you gotta tell your oh. wife, you idiot. Yeah. You know that boat I called monkey business? <laughs> well, turns out... It wasn't just a name. You get on there, there's a chimpanzee giving a loan to an orangutan. <laughs> even though they're apes, see, that's the thing. They're apes, not monkeys, and they're writing a whole article about how there's no actual monkey business. It's actually ape business. You know, gorillas are on there. There is absolutely no rhesus monkeys on board. Yeah. And this is going to cost me the election. Also, I might have uh, fucked this chick on it. Yeah. No but big. That's moot. So that Don't bother cool. reading any of the newspapers. It's yeah. all about gorillas, which I admit it sounds like that would be a really fun article to read about gorillas giving loans to chimpanzees on a really cool boat. <laughs> Just let me tell you about it. Yeah. Now, the gorilla comes on, <laughs> and it turns out in this world, gorillas are the bankers. We're in... Uh, Planet of the Apes world, they're the, you know, the guards. Like, I'm flipping things up a little bit on the monkey business. Well, then there's a scene where, he's, where his wife's, like, questioning the story. She's like, yeah. well, how do you know that that's what the gorillas were doing? And yeah. he's like, well, they were signing to each other. They were using sign yeah, language. gorilla sign language. Like Coco. And she goes, actually, I heard that Coco doesn't really speak sign language. She was faking it. And, and he goes, then, you bitch! Coco is real! <laughs> I'm divorcing you, yeah, and I'm sailing away on the monkey business. And then they go to court, and the judge <laughs> is like, let me get this straight. Your wife said that Coco wasn't real? Yeah. Okay, she has to pay you child support now. <laughs> it's established that Coco is real. Yes. And that she wanted a kitten. She would not just say, give Coco banana and apple Coco hungry. She yeah. would say complex things. Exactly. And then he holds her in contempt of court. Mm -hmm. Ooh, they bring Coco to court? So his ex-wife has to go to jail. Uh-huh. And then she's in the prison cell by herself and yeah. it's like all dark. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, how could this get any worse? And then they flick the lights on and behind her in the cell, her cellmate is Coco. Oh, God. There's like subtitles and Coco starts signing. And she doesn't know sign language because she assumes that yeah. it's, Coco's not real. Anyway. All right. 
Good movie about exactly. gorillas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sign language. Well, I think that might be the end of our episode for this week. Yep. Well, we learned about phonies. We learned about symbolism. Symbolism. We learned about which forests you live in. In the comments, <laughs> are there comments? I don't know. We're, You're supposed we're... to make people comment on things. In the comments, we want to hear what your forest fantasy is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So click like and subscribe. Yeah, uh, we've already used Endor. Yeah. And Minecraft. That one's mine. You can't yeah. claim Minecraft. Sheik. I don't care. I think that's all the forest fantasies you can have. I'm sure eventually we'll start building out our social media integration package so that we can increase our number of interactions with potential viewership. Hmm. Oh, yeah, and we also got to work on our SEO platform. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for listening. Have a really great week, and make sure to continue telling everybody that this was a good podcast. It doesn't really matter if you thought it was a good podcast. Just please tell people that it was a good podcast. Yeah, we promise we'll get better as time goes on. Yeah, I'll get better at editing and microphone placement, not putting the microphone in the middle of a room with a strong echo in it. Yeah. And I will definitely... Keep laughing at my own jokes. I will always laugh at my own jokes the hardest. And I will always... What's the word? Bye now. Yay.